Well, last week we had some fun with grammar and we talked about Greek. And you guys want to get back into grammar? <laughs> yes, we have Pastor Emily in, and that's it, I think. Um, but we talked about the Great Commission, and we specifically focused on Matthew's telling of the Great Commission. And today we're going to switch over to Luke and what Luke wrote. So we're in Luke 24, 47 through 49, and we're going to kind of pick up mid-sentence there as he said that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So in Matthew's great commission, he says, go. And in Mark's, it also says, go. And in Luke's, it says, stay. Now, again, sorry just to get a little bit into the the grammar of it. But go, just in, in Mark, it's the same as Matthew. It's a passive participle. So there's this sense of as you go or wherever the wind carries you, whatever's going on. And so right here we see that the imperative from Jesus is to be the witnesses. And in John, it's kind of, he says, I'm sending you out. As I've been sent, I'm sending you out. And he doesn't say where, he just says, I'm going to send you out. And he, Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to lead wherever the wind blows, as Alan mentioned a little bit earlier. So, Go and stay is what it says in Luke. Now, fortunately, with Luke, Luke also wrote another book that's very important, Acts of the Apostles. And there's, this is the only book that we have like it because Luke picks up the story of the resurrected Jesus just barely. He has another great commission, ascends into heaven, and then uh, it picks up the story of the early church. So we're going to be in Acts uh, this month. And we're, specifically, we're going to start with Acts 1.8. So another version of the Great Commission. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now the way that Luke has written Acts, this is really strategic to hear. Because it starts in Jerusalem. The disciples after Jesus' resurrection are told to stay in Jerusalem until they have the power. And so Acts kind of traces that story from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right here, it's kind of a similar thing with that passive go, that the disciples aren't necessarily right in control of this thing. That there's not necessarily this great strategic plan, but they're dependent upon the Holy Spirit. They're dependent upon Jesus to do something that they can't do because they are just tasked with this thing and spreading it to these places. Now, the book of Acts has 28 chapters in the way that we divide the book of Acts. And it's very interesting that the first seven chapters, so about the first fourth of it, they stay in Jerusalem. Everything stays in Jerusalem. Um, They have a point where it's Pentecost Sunday and and Peter preaches. The Holy Spirit's poured out. Uh, People from different nations hear their language and the church grows. And there's this sense that it stays in Jerusalem. As presumably some of the people go back home maybe who were in Jerusalem. But the story stays in Jerusalem. 
And that's where we follow the church. Things are getting really busy. So one of the things that happens is that the 12 apostles, the disciples who were closest to Jesus, they start getting overwhelmed with all the tasks that are coming. And so they appoint seven people to, to do some of the ministry work too, to take care of a lot of the details. And, um, and one of those seven is named Stephen. So again, for seven chapters... Everything stays in Jerusalem, and then Stephen is a turning point because Stephen is the first martyr of the church. He dies because of his faith in Jesus. And so we're going to pick up now in Acts 8.1. On that day, this is talking about the day that, that Stephen was martyred. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. There it is, right? Remember where the gospel is going to spread? The witnesses are going to go to, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So right here we see the, the next part of this. And it says this. We'll skip down a few verses to 8-4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So again, last week we talked about how go wasn't a command. The commands were disciple, to make disciples, or also to preach the gospel. Those were the commands or preach the word. What led the disciples to spread out the gospel? What happened? Persecution, yeah. Circumstances. It wasn't a, it wasn't a plan that happened. Persecution spread the church and their hand was forced for survival To be able to take care of themselves, they spread out and they were scattered through Judea and Samaria. And as they went, as they were going, they were preaching and the word of God was spreading. God was doing something. Now, as we look at that, it's interesting here, there's a little little clause in there. Who spread out? More specifically, who didn't spread out? Who stayed in Jerusalem? The apostles. So who was it that was spreading the message? Well, we don't know. They're unnamed. But one of the things that we know here, it wasn't Peter. It wasn't John and James. It wasn't Thomas, Matthew, some of the names we know. It wasn't those guys because they were still in Jerusalem. The gospel was spread by people who were not being named here. This is a thing where like, Peter's not the hero or... James or John, but, but the Lord is just doing something. He's using circumstances, and he's making it happen. Now, as Luke tells the story in Acts, there is one person who is specifically named as one of the ones who was spreading the gospel. So we get a couple of stories about him, and his name is Philip. Now, it gets a little confusing because one of the disciples was named Philip, but this was a different one. We call him Philip the Evangelist. And so Luke tells us a few, a few stories about Philip. He's also one of the seven who was with Stephen who was serving. But he spreads, and we specifically know that he did it. Uh, but we don't know anything else. So we're going to skip along with, with Luke to Acts eleven nineteen. This is going to be talk, talking about, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed... Traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. So, 
persecution starts, the, the followers in Jerusalem spread out because they have to to survive, and the word spreads, and they spread. They, they continue to maybe do it in the most comfortable way or maybe the most receptive audience or what they know, and, it, and it's spreading only among the Jews. All right, so here we are, Acts, 28 chapters. We're 11 in the 11th chapter, and still this thing has spread only to the Jews. It started kind of trickling out through being forced to, to go to beyond Jerusalem, but it's only to the Jews so far. The story turns the next, uh, the next verse. So let's look at 11 to 20. So this is where everything changes. Some of them, again, these are unnamed people. We don't, maybe don't know their names. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so the first time that Greeks, the first time that Gentiles, people like probably about all of us in here, the first time that people like us hear about the gospel, hear about the word of God, hear about the good news of Jesus, it's because of these people from Cyprus and Cyrene. So it's not Peter, it's not James, it's not John. So who are these people from Cyprus and Cyrene? Well, Cyrene, do you know where Cyrene was? Africa. Cyrene gets a pretty important role in the Gospels, too, because when Jesus was carrying his cross, he needed some help. And the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, name a guy who helped him named, they called him Simon from Cyrene. Was Simon of Cyrene one of these people? Maybe. We don't know. Maybe, perhaps. But regardless, isn't that incredible? That the, the one who helped Jesus carry the cross and the people who first started spreading the gospel to non-Jewish people, Africans. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, what about the other place, Cyprus? Where was Cyprus? Well, Cyprus was an island, and it was out in the Mediterranean. It was west of, of Israel, Palestine. So it was out in there. And we're going we're gonna to talk in a little bit about somebody who was from Cyprus, but we'll, we'll get to him later. First, we're, uh, we're going to go to the next verse, 1121. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, who was it who God was with here? Who was it? We don't know, right? All they get is a pronoun. It's a plural pronoun. It's them. Like people who are unnamed. So could Simon of Cyrene been involved? Sure. Maybe he was part of it. We don't know for sure. What about Cyprus? Well, again, we, we mentioned that there are some names that we can get to. But one of the things that's really fascinating about the book of Acts and the way that Luke tells the story of the early church is that All the greats, all the 12 disciples who were fantastic, they followed Jesus for those three years. They were charged with leading the church in Jerusalem. That as great as they are, that church in Jerusalem wasn't the model church in Acts. 
Like it, they, they did a nice job. The Holy Spirit started things. They were reaching only people who were pretty similar. But the church in Antioch was different. The church in Antioch was really groundbreaking. And it was where incredible things happened. Different people of different cultures came together. Different ethnicities, men and women. Just like Paul would proclaim in the gospel, there's neither slave nor free, male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, for we're all one in Christ. And this was happening first in Antioch. Antioch is the model congregation, according to Luke, who was just like this with Paul. So, again, really incredible story. So it says this in Acts. So who, who were these people? We're going to skip a few more verses and go to Acts 11.26. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church. This is the church in Antioch. Paul and Barnabas are there for a year teaching. They taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. All right, so Paul and Barnabas were the teachers. Maybe that's what made Antioch great, right? Of course, if Paul's preaching, we all know about who Paul is. Of course, if he's preaching for a year, that's why it's a great church. Well, we have a timeline problem with that uh, because Paul wasn't there at the beginning. So we're going to go back to that slide of the church spreading. Okay, uh, back to the slide of that church spreading. All right, see there, Acts 8.1. This is, this is when it started. So we started 8.1 with ellipses. So let's, let's see what, what we glossed over originally. So 8.1. Let's, we skipped over it. Okay, this is, this is how that verse begins. And Saul, later known as Paul, approved of their killing Stephen. Now, that's the day when it spread. So Paul played a role in the church of Antioch being great, but his role was the role of a villain. He was the bad guy. He wasn't there. He wasn't there yet when it really started getting great. He helped. God used him by his murderous ways, and he was going to hunt people down and try to arrest them, persecute people who believed in Jesus. And that was Paul's role in making Antioch great. Because 1121 comes before 1126, like the hand was with them. So we, that was not Paul. Paul was not there because it says in Acts 1125 through 26, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Paul, for Saul. We're going to call him Paul. It gets a little confusing, but Saul, Paul, he was Saul for a while, then he changed the name to Paul. We're going to call him Paul when we refer to him. And when Barnabas found Paul, he brought him to Antioch. So great things are already happening at Antioch. Barnabas hunts down Paul. Where is he? He'd become a Christian in the meantime, and he was back in his home place of Tarsus. And Barnabas brings him to Antioch. After it's already great. And he gets, to, he gets to be influenced by the great church of Antioch. So maybe it's Barnabas. Is Barnabas the one who really made it great? Uh, we skipped over that person who's from Cyprus, who's pretty well known. It's actually Barnabas. So Barnabas was from Cyprus. Was Barnabas one of the guys who helped start the church at Antioch? Again, we have a timeline problem. Because there's Acts 11, 20 through 21. And then it says in Acts eleven twenty two through 23, things are going great in Antioch, and news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. 
Great numbers of people are coming to Christ. Groundbreaking things. The gospel is penetrating culture and ethnicity and, and gender are no longer the barriers that they used to be. News of this spread to Jerusalem. Remember, the apostles are back in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas. So when they, they heard about this, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. In other words, Barnabas was not the founder of Antioch. Now, some other people from Cyprus were, but he was in Jerusalem. He was in in the church with the, the original apostles, the twelve, and he was there, and he had to see it. And notice who gets the credit here. What did he see? He didn't see the great things that Peter had done or Paul had done. He saw what the grace of God had done. He wasn't the hero. Again, we covered Paul's role in this. Uh, He persecuted to lead to it. So I want to ask just one more question here. Why was Barnabas in Jerusalem? Why did he stay in Jerusalem with the apostles when everything broke out and then the believers scattered? Well, the, the most ancient historian that we had, Eusebius, he, he collected resources, but we like have his stuff. And Eusebius's claim was that an earlier historian said that Barnabas was one of the 72 that Jesus sent out in his ministry. So in other words, Barnabas is in the Gospels, but he's unnamed because his name doesn't come up there. But again, according to our earliest church history, Barnabas was one of the 72, which again is fascinating because that means that Barnabas is a part of, in an unnamed way, he's a part of this in Luke 10, 1 through 2. Listen to this. After this, the, the Lord, that's Jesus. So this is in Jesus' life. We're back during the days of Jesus' ministry. He appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In other words, Barnabas was the first one. He's among the first people to hear this command from Jesus. Pray for more workers of the harvest. Can you imagine Barnabas hearing that from Jesus, taught to pray that himself, what it was like for him to travel to Antioch and see the crazy ways that God had answered that prayer, to see what the grace of God had done by bringing people to this place in Antioch and seeing all kinds of walls come down and healing and wonderful things happen. Can you Do you think he was surprised by the answers that he saw about what the grace of God had done? Jesus taught us to pray for that. It always seemed like we never have enough work. But look at this in in Antioch. Maybe this is to what what led Barnabas. He gets there. He's been praying. Maybe that's what prompted this little idea. Go, go Go to Tarsus too. Go get that one guy who everybody's afraid of, Paul, and, and bring him back there. Because... Their experience there did so much. And we're going to pick up the story more in the next couple of weeks. But it's really incredible what the grace of God is doing here through people whose names that we don't know. Because the, the hero of the story is the Lord. And it's God. And it's, it's the, 
the things that he was doing that nobody could control, the way the wind was blowing, and nobody could predict where it was coming from or going. That's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. Now, fortunately for me, I'm married to a woman who has taken this prayer very seriously. (laughs) And for years and years and years, Jenny has faithfully prayed this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. God, please send more workers to the harvest. If you've ever done ministry, which Lativa says it's all of us, right? One of the things that we discover quickly is, well, it'd be nice to have more workers. It'd be nice to have more workers. And Jesus said, and that's what Jenny has taken this serious. Pray for more workers of the harvest. And maybe that's why some of you are here today. In answer to those prayers or because you're a worker. Because we are blessed with that kind of a a group of people. So many people who want to be a worker for the harvest. So, just to simply apply this today. There's a really easy application. This is like the easiest one ever. Be like Jenny. And be like Barnabas and just pray this prayer. Ask God to send more workers for the harvest. And that's it. That's it. Just just do that. Try to do this regularly and see what happens. But that's it. Just try it. Try it. Do it. And, and, and see what happens. Pray this prayer. God, send more workers into the harvest. If you want to follow Jesus... If you want to be a part of that ministry that Paul talked about as the ministry of reconciliation, bringing different kinds of people together. If you want to be a part of that gospel of peace that, that, that was proclaimed, the gospel of Jesus, I just want to invite you to, to pray this, this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, Go ahead and just repeat these words quietly after me. Uh, you can read them on the screen. Let's go ahead and do that. Let's read them on the screen if, if this is the prayer of your heart. Heavenly Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God...